Cisco is out with its 2015 annual security report. What are the highlights and what are the key takeaways for security leaders? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Jason Brevnik. He's Principal Engineer with Cisco Security Business Group. Jason, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So Jason, as you review the report, what do you find to be the most intriguing findings from this year's edition? You know, there's, there's a number of things that were intriguing in the report. For me, the, the most intriguing is around browser versions. That 10% of the Internet Explorer encountered in our observation was the latest version, and that the rest was, you know, not, which meant that 90% of your interactions were inherently risky. That was rather surprising to me. Jason, one thing I find intriguing, the report calls out spam as becoming more dangerous, although volumes are down from 8 or 10 years ago. What do you see as being behind this malicious shift in spam? I liken it to, you know, the industrialization of, of hacking becoming complete. Uh, our observations are that the adversary is seemingly working towards managing, you know, KPIs for their business. They found in a in an approach we, we call snowshoe spam the ability to get higher penetration rates. Uh, you know, so some of the spam systems out there aren't aren't as up to the challenge of of managing that, and and so the IP-based reputation systems are failing there. Uh, that ability, ultimately, uh, you know, being able to deliver content to users has proven pretty effective, and so we saw a big uptick where. You know, the adversaries recognized this ability and started leveraging it. The report indicates that exploit kits have decreased considerably, along with some shifts in web exploits. Can you speak to what we're seeing, please? Certainly. That, to me, is a, an extension of the attackers, you know, managing their business and managing towards their effective, you know, penetration of systems. So we saw in 2014 a decrease in the uh, you know, exploit surface for Java. There's been some significant improvements made. Uh, I think it was 24% or 28% decrease. I can't remember correctly off the top of my head here. And and so that was uh, you know that's a hit to the business for the attacker. So we saw them shift their approach a bit, start leveraging Silverlight, introducing some new approaches to penetrating machines, and you know the. The fundamental trend is that they're intent on maintaining their presence and their operational capability, and so uh, we need to, you know, we need to be aware and capable of responding in those areas. It's something of a statement of the obvious, but it appears that many users are not using the latest versions of their respective browsers. So, what sort of impact does that have on the security posture of their organizations? That has an incredible impact on the security posture of an organization. You know, we can deploy defensive technologies and web gateways and next-generation firewalls and intrusion prevention systems and all kinds and manner of filtering, but we can't control where a user is at any given point in time. So when they're not on your corporate network or by chance they encounter something that hasn't been uh, seen before and isn't blocked by these technologies, it's a guarantee that they're going to become compromised. Uh, ultimately, you know, that level of risk, when, when you think about it, 90% of the users interacting with the Internet are subject to compromise as a result. From known solvable problems uh, means that it doesn't matter how much we train users and it doesn't matter how much effort we put in configurations. Ultimately, you're, you're 
with a knife in both hands. Jason, what is your take on the disconnect between network defenders' intents and their actions? As I recall, something like 90% of companies said in the survey that they were confident about their security policies. What's that tell you? You know, I think I'd, be, I'd have been surprised if we didn't see a 90% confidence in their policies. They were clearly developed and, and thoughtfully implemented, and you know, obviously people are, are doing what they believe to be best. The, the challenge for defenders is that the market on the attacker side moves so quickly, and the defenders are burdened with a number of operational challenges and implementing things. Take, uh, take for example, the browser security issues. When we looked at, you know, uh, an auto-updating browser, we saw you know, greater than 50% penetration for, for updates, and that was a million-user interaction required. But for systems that require older versions, that creates the disconnect by policy alone. Then you have the operational burden of implementing it. Uh, you know, it, there is definitely a disconnect between intent and action. Uh, I think that that disconnect, you know, deserves a bit of focus and revisit. Maybe we need to address our policies, you know, more often. Uh, but certainly there's, there's opportunity there for organizations to improve. Now, the report highlights that security practitioners are not necessarily leveraging many core security technologies or practices. I'm thinking about patching, for instance. And you go on to say that 56% of open SSL protocols on the net are older than four and a half years old. So what's that tell us about the security practitioner's approach to security? That tells us a couple of things, especially when you consider, you know, the prior data point, 90% of companies being confident in their policies. It was surprising to me, although perhaps it shouldn't have been given the browser updates, that only 39% of security practitioners admitted to using patching and configuration management as a security control. And, you know, that's kind of like the number one thing you can get done. It suggests there's organizational challenges. Uh, it suggests that you know, there's practical limits to the security team's ability to impose a change or perhaps that they're not as involved in the business process as they need to be to elevate the, you know, the level of risk here. But 56% of open SSL uh, systems deployed in greater than four and a half years old, I think that underscores greatly kind of a twofold challenge, uh, maybe even threefold if we think about it. The first is the challenge of updating systems that are, are kind of running in place. They've been there and nobody bothers with them. We may not have the visibility into, you know, their configurations. It may be that the vendor is no longer available to provide patches. It may be it's a certified configuration that we can't update. That underscores the need for other mitigative technologies and approaches. Uh, further, though, I think it underscores that visibility into the operational state of your systems is paramount so that you can react to these things uh, in the event that something occurs, it's you know it's pretty sad that greater than fifty percent of the systems out there are still you know greater than four and a half years old, given all of the attention that was given to Harkleys this past year. Well, we've hit on a lot of different topics here today, Jason. Bottom line: What can organizations do to better protect themselves in light of some of the findings we've discussed today? Well, there's uh, there's a lot they can be doing, but we, we propose two approaches. The first is a security manifesto for the real world. It talks about user behaviors, organizational roles, how they can work together to improve the posture of the business. And, and the second is taking a, a holistic view at your ability to respond. The data showed us that the majority of respondents focused on the immediate challenge. 
that would be a compromise or a worm outbreak. They did not focus on the two other areas, right? So we talk in the context of before, during, and after an attack. There was very little focus on before, as evidenced by the, the patching statistic. That's the greatest opportunity before an attack to have an impact. And there was little focus on after, which is, you know, recognizing that a compromise is at some point inevitable, especially given the statistics we're seeing here. And what you're going to do, are you prepared and do you have the information? Taking an assessment of that full life cycle and bringing it to bear, uh, you know, to help the organization move forward and be prepared when a compromise occurs is probably the best thing you can do. Ask yourself in the morning when you wake up, what am I going to do if I'm compromised today? And that will shed a lot of light on how you're going to handle things in the next year. Well, Jason, that's excellent analysis. Thank you so much for taking time to go over the survey findings with us today and sharing your insights. And thank you very much for having me. The topic has been Cisco's 2015 Annual Security Report. I've been talking with Jason Brevnik. He's Principal Engineer with Cisco's Security Business Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.